Yes, there is hope, we've been saying over the last few broadcasts. Hope for you as a counselor of your fellow Christian brother or sister, and hope for that one whom you are counseling. Now, we've said that the Word of God has the answers to all of our problems, that God in 2 Timothy 3:17 and 16 says that the Scriptures are adequate for all good works, indeed to change us and to keep us different from the way that we have been. But let me come at this matter of hope from a little different angle for a moment, an angle that most people don't think about. In a passage like Ephesians 4.17, Paul says, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you must walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. Now here Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to people who have been saved. Their sins are forgiven. They have their faith in Jesus Christ. They know that Christ is their Savior, and they're seeking to live for him. And yet they have an awful lot to learn. Their lives are still very much like those lives were before they came to know Christ. They were new Christians, and they needed to change. A lot of changes were necessary. They're like you and me. Now, Paul says to them, he says, This I say, and affirm together with the Lord. Now, that's an interesting expression when Paul says, I say something, and I then affirm it together with the Lord. Uh, what, what's he doing here when he makes an expression uh, of that sort? Well, Paul is not just simply saying something that is on the level of much that he says elsewhere. He is emphasizing something. You see, they didn't have underlining in those days. They didn't have italics to uh, emphasize a word. They didn't uh, have red letters and that sort of thing that uh, might give emphasis or capital letters or exclamation points. So if you wanted to emphasize something, you had to use the very form of the language itself to emphasize it either the way that you placed a word in front of another or the words that you used. And here, in order to emphasize what he has to say and say uh, to the reader, now look, if you're going to get anything, get this. He says, look, I'm saying this, but not only I, the Lord together with me is saying this. This is so vital, so important, so crucial, so tremendous that I want you not to miss this at any cost. Now, what does he say that's so important that we dare not miss it at any cost? Well, this is it, that you must walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. You've been saved. There's got to be a new kind of walk. Now, what's all this got to do with hope, you say? Well, hang in there a little bit, and uh, we'll try to show you. First of all, Paul is talking about the walk of the believer. And we've got to understand what he means in this chapter and in the next whenever he uses the word walk. Notice in verse 1 he says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And then in chapter 5, verse 2, Walk in love. In chapter 5, verse 8, Walk as children of light. In chapter 5, verse 15, Be careful how you walk. So he's very much interested in this matter of the Christian's walk. But what is that walk? Well, down in verse 22 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, 
he makes it clear he's talking about the former manner of life in which they walked and now a new manner of life in which they need to learn to walk. So the Christian's walk is his lifestyle. It's the way that he lives. It's his manner of life. It's his habitual way of responding to life's circumstances with its problems, its trials, its heartaches, its discouragements, its despairs, its uh, disappointments. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, you can't walk. You can't react. You can't have a pattern of life or a habitual way of responding to life that is any longer like the way that you walked or the way that you responded or the habit pattern or the style of life that you had before you became a Christian. Now, you see, there's hope in that. Paul says that your whole lifestyle has to be changed. And he says, it's so important. I want you to understand that not only I say this, but I affirm this together with the Lord. He underscores its importance by those words. And he's saying there has to be an entire change in your pattern of living, the manner of life, not just something here and something there, but the whole way in which you look at things. Now, the very fact that Paul underscores that as an absolute necessity in the life of the new Christian shows that it's possible. It's always possible to do what God commands. That's where the hope comes from. It is not impossible to do things that God commands his children. Now, of course, it's impossible for an unbeliever to do the things that only a believer can do. An unbeliever can't please God. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God, he says in Romans. An unbeliever can't, of course, do things that are, are spiritually proper. He can't have the right motives. Even the plowing, the book of Proverbs says, of the unbeliever is sin. Even his ordinary activities are sin because he doesn't do what he does for, for God. So his motives, his goals, his purposes, everything that he does are out of accord. But now, he's not talking to unbelievers in this verse. He's talking to those whose sins have been forgiven through faith in Christ, who have the power of the Spirit of God in their lives to enable them to understand the Bible and to do it. And he's saying your entire style of living can be changed. Now, there's hope in that. Indeed, he's not only saying it can be changed, he's saying you've got to change your style of living. And the very fact that he commands this change should bring hope. And that's what I want you to see that every commandment of God to a believer is actually a way of establishing hope in that believer. At first, it may make you discouraged as you think, boy, I've got to change my whole lifestyle. How will that ever happen? But then as you reflect upon it longer, you realize that if God has commanded it, he also has provided both the know-how in his word for making that change and the power for making that change in his spirit. And that's exactly what he tells us that he will do. He tells us in Philippians 2.13 that God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, those are both, both important and vital uh, elements in making a change, willing and doing. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that in his word he has provided the information that we need. He has told us what he wants us to do. He has told us precisely what he desires us to be like. And then by dwelling in us in the person of the Spirit, he not only gives us the disposition to obey that word through the Spirit, 
but he also gives us the power when we step out in faith to actually accomplish what he has commanded us to accomplish. And so we have a lot of hope just from the very commandments of God themselves. Whatever God commands his people to do, he, by his word and by his spirit, will enable them to do. That means, Christian friend, no matter what your problem is today, that means no matter how difficult or how deep that problem may seem, God has an answer to it. And he has an answer also to those whom you counsel from his word. Your job and mine is to find the answers to those problems in the word of God and to supply them to others and to encourage them by faith to step out by faith, uh, as I say, not by their own power, not by their own strength, but faith in God that he will give them the will and the disposition to do and the power to do what he commands. Help us, Lord, to show others the hope that there is in your commandments. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.